You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. Paul, we had to pull an audible this week. A hot route, as they say. It's okay, because those hot routes often lead to first downs and sometimes touchdowns. touchdowns. Were you waiting for me to say it? I was, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay, I thought maybe you were just going for a really cool, dramatic pause. No, but then I wasn't sure. So I no, I, it's a, it wasn't like the Spanish soccer call for goal. You know, goal. Man, are you still going? Oh, you know what's funny is for whatever reason, I think the mic settings decided to stop recording you about three seconds into your goal call, and so it was just pure silence. <laughs> that was That's weird. amazing. What 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 is the what, what song is it? Eddie just uh. Is it black or he just like sustains yes. the yeah, it yes. just 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 sustains the Imagine one. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, uh hello everybody and uh welcome to another episode. We we thank you for joining us. And uh if you have fed the algorithm before, that's super. If you haven't already, you should do that. It, you should keep feeding that bad boy. It keeps us safe. <laughs> okay. It's it's like it's literally it's like a uh it, it's a deleted scene. Out of Stranger Things, it's the algorithm. It's far more efficient than a Demogorgon. You, you do not want to mess with algorithms. Just feed that sucker, subscribe, rate, review your podcast platform of choice. And uh, if you want to continue the conversation, as I always say, there's a new there's a new uh, app in town. Hey, what's up, Threads? Are you there? We, we are. We are there. Uh, apparently, has a hundred million users in five days. That's impressive. It's um, very impressive. So we're there as well. So if you want to hop over to that thing, and uh, Where, wherever the things are, we'll be there. Yeah, exactly. So um, I mentioned the last at the end of last week's episode uh, a special guest interview this week. Uh, that person got a little bit of the um, the throat uh, ouchies, and uh, they will hopefully be with us next week. So in lieu, like I said at the top of the show. Had to call a hot route, had to call an audible, Omaha. And um, I don't know what, what what would you call an audible in uh, in layman's terms? Like if you didn't know sports terms, what would you call that? We, we had to pivot. The, yeah, pivot. Yeah, we, had, we had to pivot. We had to pivot. So um, here we are. And we just kind of threw together some ideas that we, you know, they've been on the old sheet there of things to do. And these seem like the ones that we could cobble together uh, in a short amount of time, uh, and still be good. So with that said, we are going to discuss our top three, not top five, top three heavy songs. And that stemmed from Stone Gossard's interview a few weeks back where he said that the new songs were sounding kind of heavy. And so that guy's thinking, Ooh, what are our favorite heavy songs that they've already made? So Indeed. we'll discuss those things and it's time then to rock out. Yeah. Let's go. We've we've done quiet songs before. Let's, let's we actually let the hair never down, did. Jason. <laughs> My hair is up today. Your hair is up today. Yeah, uh, and then we'll discuss the overrated and underrated choices from Gigaton. That should be an interesting uh, exercise. And of course, our lyric and life cut of the week. Okay, let's get to it then. Uh, favorite, top, whatever you want to call it, uh, heavy songs. Um, this was an interesting choice because it's all about how you determine what heavy is in the world of Pearl Jam. This isn't Black Sabbath. This isn't Ghost or Mastodon or Metallica or Pantera. This is this is Pearl Jam. Mm -hmm. So how do you define heavy? Are there songs in the back half of the catalog that qualify as heavy? I don't know. So it's very subjective. So with that said, Paul, any opening remarks before we kind of dive into your third choice? Well, I think the the first barometer that one could use when examining the catalog would be a rearview mirror, uh, not the song 
Well, although the, the song could certainly qualify, but the greatest hits compilation. I say that mm. because Pearl Jam specifically uh, delineated their catalog into two separate buckets, the up and the down, right? So mm-hmm. you could, in theory, look at what they defined as an up-tempo song, up-tempo. Uh, so you get songs like Once But Alive is on that uh, that disc. So is Even Flow, Jeremy, which obviously does not start off as heavy, right? So I would say uh, if you asked me to choose a heavy Pearl Jam song, I'm thinking it, it, it has to have distortion, obviously. So no buckle <laughs> and, up is what you're saying. Yeah, no no buckle up. Okay. And uh, we're really we're really looking for something that's up tempo. We're looking for something that that kind of hits you in the mouth. Um, and I think when you when you distill the catalog into into, in, into that definition of heavy, you really start to find that you're you're really looking at probably about a dozen or so songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that sounds about right. I think my short list came down to about maybe eight, nine mm-hmm. that I really wanted. You start stripping away like, oh, that one has a little clean section. I don't know. Um, so you start like you file this down. I mean, it's, it's only top three. So, uh, with that said, what are you picking at number three? Oh, man, you know I. When I think about heavy, um, it's hard for me to not think of a song like Go. Uh, I choose Go because it's it's arguably the fastest tempo. It's the most up-tempo song. Yes. If, if you're thinking about, you know, beats beats per, per, per minute, beats per BPM. second. BPM. You can say BPM. BPM. There you go. There you go. Um, it, it, it's up there. Uh, and the ending, I would say, of Go is one of the most intense episodes in the entire catalog um i was tempted to go with animal but there, there's like a funky breakdown you know with the mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. with the was it the pre-chorus the chorus and so i would i would argue that that go is a far heavier song um you know versus in contrast to 10 i think was a far heavier record so yes. if you told me hey all my selections for this playlist or off of verses i probably would not fight you on that one mm. uh, but i would say go for me is 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 the song that that stands out the most it's a dave song and uh dave being the drummer at the time no surprise that we that we get that 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 evolution that up tempo uh you know dave i think at the time had played like two main parts and they, they kind of had that that the riff bit and the ascending riff um which at the time I think was more of like in an acoustic vein, and then I think he played it around a campfire or something like that. Exactly, on the guitar. exactly. Yeah. So, the, but then he gets behind the drums and everything gets turned up to the max, and it evolves into uh, something a little more, a, a little bit more. I'm going to quote Stone here: hardcore. So <laughs> anytime Stone Gossard references the words hardcore to a Pearl Jam, when song, I think hardcore, I think Stone Gossard. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you know it's it, it's a great great you know five against one right I mean Kim Neely's book we we, we talked we talked about this in the past uh, one two three four five against one so there's there's a lot of of, of energy it, it's a charged track I think it encapsulates the uh, intensity that comes with feeling like you're up against it you know mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm gonna go with go all right uh, my third choice is whipping. Mm. One of the angrier songs I can think of in the catalog, and it, it, it's it's simple ferociousness is nearly unparalleled. And I think the fact that it was one of the Vitalogy tracks that uh, was played a decent amount on the Versus tour shows how much they thought it fit in with the vibe of that era. Talk about Go. Um, now, the 95 Chicago performance is a perfect example of the catharsis that this song can bring. That was two years later. Uh, if there ever was a song in their catalog to quite simply set the table of what it is that they're pissed off about, I think it's this one. You know, there there are plenty of songs that kind of get more micro on the uh, on the ills of society, but but I think this one is one of the earlier tracks to really get um, more of that all encompassing that us versus them attitude that so many of the younger generation at the time, the Gen X, maybe even some of the older millennials felt um kind of all summed up in this song so you have songs like grave in screen disease mind your manners they kind of dive into some of these authority 
figures doing what they want while trying to control the rest of us kind of thing more specifically. But Whipping was one of the first songs to kind of, I guess, lay the groundwork of what that us versus them, that authoritative versus the ones being controlled. And it does it in a ferocious kind of way. Um, and I, I always think of Chicago 95 as kind of the live example of that. So I, I like Whipping at number three. That's a great call. Great call. I'm going to stick with that same record. Ooh. And I'm going to go with Spin the Black Circle. Nice. I say that because this. what's interesting about this song is that initially when Stone brought the guitar riff to Eddie, it was at, played a lot slower, mm-hmm. uh, which I did not know when the when the record came out. I, we found this out much later. Uh, but when Eddie had, had listened to it, he sped the control up on his machine and then came back and said, hey, let's do it this way. And Mike had just tried thrashing over the top of this thing and later came to say that he actually overdubbed those lead guitar parts. But he, he also said that when he does it live, that the riff is so hectic and frantic that he has to be warmed up or it just sounds <laughs> just terrible. Uh, which, look, if Mike McCready is saying that this that it, it is such a hectic and <laughs> frantic song yeah, that, yeah. that he has to be warmed up for it, how do you not put that on a heavy playlist? So uh, Now, it's an ode to vinyl, you know what I mean? Um, it, which is why I think that st- I would love to hear a demo of this song with, with, with the slower speed. Oh, interesting. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I almost feel like this song is ripe for reworking. I would love to hear them go back to this, this song. Well, they reworked Garden and that they used re- to be heavy exactly yeah Not right so, so i mean look it's it's one guitar it's playing a bunch of fast power chords jason so the, the, mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways that you can you can spin this thing no pun intended uh but you know that when you get that second guitar that kicks in and then eddie starts singing and it, it is aggressive it's just it, it it feels it's a punk rock song sure but i mean it's it feels heavier than a dead Kennedy's track or something like that. So sure. I'm, I'm going to go with the spin the black circle here. I like that that call. Um, I didn't have it in my top three, but I, it's one of those that you know, if we're doing three, um, it's hard to kind of get all the ones you want. And, and the way that Ed sings that would put it into the three uh, very easily for many people. So I totally see why you put it there. Um, my second choice is Leash. I knew you were going to go there. You know, from an Ed standpoint, it doesn't get more heavy than this for me. And I know maybe the word fucking is a cop-out for aggression, but the way Ed uses it in this song, it's like a multiplier. You know, while songs like Whooping and Do the Evolution kind of tell us what is wrong with society from that macro perspective that I mentioned, and many other songs do it from the micro perspective, Leash manages to be both angry and positive at the same time with an intensity that might not be rivals. You know, it, it, it somehow calls out and demands those that control us let go, while at the same time asking those going through the same thing to band together. This is kind of like like the message of Pearl Jam, at least in the early days. And, and the music just amplifies every emotion of this message. So I, I love from a thematic and lyrical standpoint, on top of some really aggressive music, and they, it's, again, one of the songs, talking about playing it before it came out, just like Whipping, it's one of the ones that they felt suited a pretty aggressive part of the of the 10 tour, and they put it a lot then. I think it had to be, for me, it had to be in my top three, so I, I got Leash at number two. I think it's a fantastic choice. Um, it's funny that when Pearl Jam decides to get heavy, it's almost impossible for them to get away from some of those uh, those punk roots, you know what I mean. Mm. You you, it, you you rarely find something in the catalog that's just heavy for the pure sake of heavy. It's not like you get this sludge rock, right? You're not going to get uh, Soundgarden Fourth of July off Super Unknown on a Pearl Jam I mean, record. Maybe the closest they would have gotten is Habit, but that's not the best song. It's not. It's not heaviness. Um, yeah. and even a song like Lucan is it's a fun exercise but the 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 chorus i feel is very rock poppy um yeah you know um it's straddled that way than the other way right exactly uh it's just it's kind of like a a a garage rock pop song in a lot of ways um it's just sped up 
I would have to say that the heaviest song in the catalog for me is Blood. Mm. Uh, you know, you put, if, if you're saying, hey, listen to a Pearl Jam song, and you're thinking, what is the one song that can get the person sitting next to me in the car to say, okay, I, I can't handle this. There is, <laughs> there is no other song in the catalog other than Blood to play. Uh, this one, it doesn't just punch you in the mouth. It smashes you over the head with a guitar. Uh, and I, I, I can honestly say that when you watch the performance it, it, that Brendan O'Brien incorporates into Pearl Jam 20, I'm sorry, not Brendan O'Brien, Cameron Crowe, incorporates into Pearl Jam 20, you really start to see the level of intensity. And even the parts that kind of have that, uh, that, that funky breakdown to them, mm-hmm. Ed's lyrical delivery is so rife with aggression and and uh, just outrage and uh, the exploitation the themes of exploitation and um, just suppression and violence they just permeate the music at a level that it's hard for me to listen to the song and there, there's literally no softness to it everything even the, about even the kick song. drum right yeah i mean everything that, about actually, it is just yeah. it's just very there's a violence to this song yeah um <clears throat> and so when you when you think about like the circus act that was his life or that was the band's life if you, if you want to go that route at the time it's difficult for me to not include a, a, a song like this on a playlist like this so i would say that that if we're going to talk about um a, a list and we had to pare it down to three of the heaviest Pearl Jam songs I think this idea that, that you're just being stabbed down and drained of the very life essence that mm. is your blood for me the, this is the number one heavy track in the Pearl Jam catalog it's uh it was the uh do you do uh do you do do you follow Bracketology with ESPN and like March Madness and the, the first four in and the last four loosely, out loosely loosely this is this was the the last one out for me. This this oh. is this is the one that just barely missed out at number four for all those reasons, and I only left it out because there was just a different kind of heaviness from those other two tracks, and my last one here that that squeezed it out. But like, yeah, it's like think of think of that opening bit, probably the most violent like seesaw back and forth you're being thrown from either side of a, of a of a bus that's flipping over kind of thing that's what that song feels like so i'm that's with a you. great analogy by the way i mean it that's feels exactly like what back it sounds and feels like yeah, yeah. so it's I, a car wreck it is a car wreck controlled yeah. uh it, it, so that's a great choice um and maybe i'll take heat for not including it because my choices go you mentioned it before um you know musically this song for me in totality is unmatched from an aggression and ferocity standpoint um that staccato full band jabs thing at the beginning that just smacks you in the face you know the drop d riff that you said you know that dave wrote you know that could be something that fell off the cutting room floor during the injustice for all sessions you know, with metallica it's, it's that kind of that kind of groove uh you know the second verse if you can call it that, is is a hodgepodge of like emotive releases rather than prose. It's it's, it's monosyllabic catharsis, is what that is. <laughs> you know, and uh, there are fewer things more intense than abuse, and we are made to feel, uh, made to, made to feel that as best as a band can through its music in this song, and it's all punctuated by that frenetic guitar solo that Mike has. It basically implodes the song at the end. Uh, and that's just the first song on the album uh, of a very uh, aggressive album, as you as you pointed out. So, listen, could you have blood there? Absolutely. Could uh, some of my other honorable mentions be there? Maybe, but I, I think I think go from start to finish is, and maybe it's it's just kind of been on my brain because I listened to uh, the uh, 06 Burn Switzerland show the other day, and it started oh, nice. started with go and animal, and it was like this is how, that's a how wait, that's a hell of a way to start the show. And it just hits you in the face. And so I felt like that one just kind of had to be there for me. Um, I'll mention, you know, a couple other songs that, like you said, Blood was right there. I feel like there's there's a depth in the heaviness to Why Go. I think that's right there. Um, 
I think I think even Brain of Jay has some nice has call some heaviness to it. Um, here's now, one I'm curious your okay, thoughts on heaviness wise, both thematically and and musically speaking. Mind your manners. I was about to go there. I, I, ah. I was just going to say, like, do we have anything post Riot Act? I mean, we, we really don't. And Mind Your Manners is one that I think is a standout. There are a couple of live versions where you, you get the great crowd call outs, you know, mm. Mind Your Manners. So I, I do think that there's a, a nice punk rock. I mean, again, you know, well, the reason that you mentioned like Spin the Black Circle, I think the punk. best versions yeah. of Mind Your Manners could be doing that. They could. But I mean, are there other, are there other examples? from the Pearl Jam catalog. I mean, we don't really see heavy on Backspacer. No. Uh, I, I would say Lightning Bolt, other than Mind Your Manners, you don't really get much of that either. Uh, Gigaton, I mean, you know, Super Blood Wolf Moon, to me, is the the, the, the preeminent example of, of, of uh, you know, dad punk. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it heavy, though. But I wouldn't call that heavy yeah. either. And, and and even the heavier songs like Quick Escape kind of have like a like a Sabbath or... or, or, or um, classic 70s rock feel to them you know mm. take the long way is probably the heaviest song i'd say on the record and that that's not exactly like dripping with heaviness yeah um you know avocado is unique in the sense that at least the original <clears throat> uh engineering and and mastering of that record before brendan o'brien got his hands on it uh, feels a little bit heavier uh worldwide suicide life wasted comatose, uh, co comatose exactly yeah. um but you know none of those songs i would say are as heavy in retrospect in comparison to what we saw exactly. with some of the earlier songs yeah. in the catalog. So, uh, it, dare we say Pearl Jam has gotten soft with H? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> How dare they? Well, you know, we're going to find out when the new album comes out at some point, probably next year, and then we'll, we'll be able to judge how heavy is it really? It is, is Andrew Watts saying, hey guys, here are three points of reference that i find re best represents you guys yeah. and how how does that make you feel i mean you know what by the way so, quick sidetrack um how cool would it be if andrew got uh jeff to break out the old 12 string bass again oh a la jeremy I, when's the last epic. time that he played that on a record <sighs> it might be since that record i think you might be right so anyways that's a fun thought what do you guys think Get on threads and let us know. <laughs> uh, or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever the hell. Uh, let us know your choices for the heaviest songs in the catalog. While you ruminate on that, possibly by pausing the episode and coming back to it, we're going to move on to uh, Over Under, Over Under Gigaton. And uh, I think this is the last album we have to do of Over Under. Pick your overrated song, pick your underrated song, not necessarily best or worst, overrated and underrated, and why. Let's flip it around this time. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, that way you can tell me why I'm wrong, and it'll work out. <laughs> <laughs> as, as this thing now listen, my overrated track off Gigaton probably will not surprise most of you. It is seven o'clock. You say okay. <laughs> so, what do you, you think I was going to say? My gut said you're going to go with seven o'clock, just because you've been raining, uh, you know, acid rain all over that track since the song came out. But uh, uh, for a second, I thought you're going to go with "Dance of the Clairvoyance," but uh, you've come around on that track. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's overrated. Um, I think well, if you asked me this question, yeah, three years ago, I would. What if I told you that "Dance of the Clairvoyance"? is the most uh, added or purchased song on iTunes from Gigaton. Uh, it's the most popular song from the record. Well, I, I, I looked at all that for my research on this, on this oh, exercise, so I know that. All right. So, so and, and you still went with comes, uh, not comes and goes. You still went with... Uh, so here's the reasoning. All right. Let's hear it. Seven o'clock. It was between this and Rivercross for me, by the way. Now, many people see things in both of these songs that I can't. And ultimately, for me, 7 o'clock, you know, quote-unquote, won. Uh, because it's been played more, and I've seen more chatter in favor of it, even if the praise for Rivercross was very loud early on. So, I feel like the band really tried to make this song a thing early in the tour. And then maybe realize it wasn't doing what they hoped that it would in the live setting and kind of abandoned it for 
maybe whoever said that got a little bit more love on the second half of the tour last year. And of course, we'll see what happens in this, I guess we would call it the third North American leg in about uh, two months now. Um, and even though I, I've poo-pooed this song many times on the show, that's not why it's here. It's here because that opinion is in the face of a lot of people. Now, on Spotify, it is the sixth most played song on the from the album. That's right in the middle. But I can easily argue for every song above it making sense to be there. The fact that it's uh, outplaying Take the Long Way, Never Destination, Comes Then Goes, All Right, Buckle Up, to me that's a little bit wild. There's something I can last, I can, I can rest my key on, you know? Comes and Goes has beautiful lyrics. Never Destination has a fun groove for me. All Right has some really great atmosphere. Buckle Up has a really intimate vibe about it. Like, I, I can appreciate something about all those songs. Whereas, 7 o'clock, I can't hang my hat on anything. And yet, people were like, this song is talking to me. It's this massive, beautiful thing. And I'm like, it's a hodgepodge. What are we talking about? So for me, even though I don't like it, and I don't think it's the worst song on the record, I think it's very much the most overrated song on the record. Why am I wrong? Okay. <sighs> well, I don't necessarily think you're wrong. Oh, but I want to read something to you. Okay, so uh, here, here here's what I'm going to read to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you 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 tell me what you think about this. River Cross mm-hmm. quote this is a hard song to write about it has moved me to tears on at least five occasions and I've only been listening to this album for three days it is hard to say how much of that is the song and how much is the moment but I guess it doesn't matter why it speaks to me is less important than the fact that it does with an immediacy and a breathtaking or breaktaking I should say reality I've seldom experienced from a song it's a simple song, richly adorned. Eddie plays a pump organ, Jeff playing, creeps around it, Matt's drumming, gives it a quiet grandeur, and the whole song feels rich, warm, comforting, tangible, crawls over and envelopes you. This is Eddie's most raw and plaintive performance on the album, the most naked. It's maybe the first song on the album that allows him to wear his miles. The honesty creates the alchemy that transforms sentimentality into truth. There are parallels elsewhere in the catalog. It is somewhat akin to a more communal long road. Better Days is similar, though this is vastly superior. In some ways, it is closest to indifference and serves as an answer. If Eddie sat alone in darkness in 1993 wondering whether or not any of this matters, it is not hard to imagine Eddie circa 2019 playing him this song to explain that yes, it does. Rivercross is maybe the closest Pearl Jam has ever come to writing a prayer, and maybe that's what I need right now. I am an atheist, but I have faith in people. Despite being let down time and time again, I still believe that we can be better than we are. We cannot give up on ourselves, and that's the message of Rivercross. Skip to the end here. Uh, we are the promise he is singing of, and for every act of horror the world inflicts on us, or we inflict on each other, it is offset by acts of kindness and impossible love and they always have been and as long as we don't lose sight of that we can make it absent any other touchstone we still have each other Eddie could give the song a soaring conclusion like retrograde but instead we get the chanting and that's because it's not about him in the end it's about us the only way across is together and there is still time those are the words of Stip of Stiff. And uh, Stiff, first and foremost, a hat tip to you. Uh, he's, your he knows words, how to fucking write a song. I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll review. Uh, he, he is a, he could teach a master class on yes. how to write a, a review of a Pearl Jam record. But I'm going to take it a step further. Stiff, your review of this song is more moving to me than the song itself. That's exactly what I was going to say <laughs> while you're reading this. I was like, how can I say this? And you just said it exactly. How. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's uh, I look and, and this does not mean that I believe Stip is wrong. It just means that when I listen to River Cross, I don't feel that. I was not moved and I have revisited that song dozens and dozens of times trying to find that place. 
because where Stip is in that moment, I want to be there with him. I well, want to feel that too when I listen Stip, to Pearl Jam's song. Where Stip was when you heard that was in the middle of a, of a lockdown that had just started three uh, weeks prior correct, with correct. where no one knew what the hell was going on. So correct. that I can I can understand that we are we are um, we were. Uh, uh, listening devices devoid of any color or or, dy- or dynamism we were we were blank audible canvases that's I'm, I'm not explaining it correctly but you know what i'm trying to say so that that hitting us at that moment it, that that made you feel certain things and for him it made him feel all of that and i love that it did the problem is you fast forward a little bit and yeah a lot of shit this is your by the way this is your thing why am i talking Anyway, no, go on, go on. No, no, no. It's just, it's just, yeah. It doesn't. You, you tell me, because I'm, I'm gonna not say it nearly as well as you would. No, it, look, it's. I feel as though this is. It, it's, in so many ways, to me, feels like. Um, it, it, it's obviously thematically and uh, in terms of lyrical content, it's not the same composition, but it feels in some ways and and maybe people look at me and say i I cannot believe you said this paul you sound like an idiot it's just it feels like parting ways it just feels derivative to me that this it does not stand apart from the rest of the record in a way that i find it to be extraordinary and Mm -hmm. as a composition i respect it there's an ingenuity to it that Mm -hmm. i both i both value and appreciate and I, I, I legitimately believe that Stipp's review and his interpretation of the song, to me, the impact the composition that, that the song had on him and his reaction to it, that to me is more beautiful and moving. And his articulation of that impact to me is more realized in its ambition than the composition and song itself. So hat tip to you, Stip, because mm-hmm. your, 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 your writing is, uh, is absolutely remarkable in this review. I wish there was more writing from him. Uh, it's, uh, but for, for those of you listening, it, go to The Sky Ice Great. I don't care what album it is. Just look it up yes. and, 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 and read Stip's um, What are they, song review. by song? Right? Song by song reviews yeah. of every single record. You will, it, it is a rabbit hole that you will appreciate going down, and you will come out a better Pearl Jam fan. And I wish a they were human kind of all assembled it. into one easy place, though. Well, if only Stip would would, would somehow <laughs> find a way to do that. Hmm. Anyway, so uh, it, my point is just that with with this this particular song, um, I just. Find it to be, and, and this was, you know, I took umbrage with comes then goes, perhaps erroneously and, and, and unfoundedly, be, because I felt like it needed the whole band for it to realize itself as a composition. I was resoundedly shut down in the <laughs> assumption uh, by by the producer himself, uh, Mister Evans. But I do think that uh, you know this is a song that I understand why it's just Ed playing play, play the organ, um, but it, it just. I don't know how else to say this. It just it just feels as though it it wants to go somewhere but never quite does. I don't and know. I think I think uh upon initial release, I think a, a lot of people uh maybe have maybe felt a lot like Stip. Mm-hmm. But by the time the tour came around, if you recall the bootlegs when they played it, which they didn't play it very much, maybe half a dozen times, you know. And maybe it was the um, the constant uh, 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 dedications to Ukraine, or or I don't know what it was, but the the response didn't fit. Maybe it was where it was in the set list. I don't know. It just the response. I don't think like seven o'clock was what he or the band would have preferred or thought they would get from it. I mean, yeah. I remember him saying in a lot of those shows, "Hey, wouldn't it be great if you guys like put your lights up and like." applauded her in a certain part at the end here like okay <laughs> so yeah and, and there are songs on the record that people loved on that tour so it's not like it's just the gigaton record no there maybe it's just those songs 
anyways. And, and really, it's that cathartic ending. And this is my segue. It's that that cathartic ending, that soaring conclusion of retrograde, that makes this song for me mm. the most underrated on the record. And if you're a, a true diehard Pearl Jam fan, you might listen to this and say, "Well, hold on a sec. Like everybody loves retrograde. What? Like how is? It? Well, it's not apparently as as well regarded as as I would have thought. Uh, I referenced." The fact that Dance the Clairvoyance was the most most popular song on iTunes from this record. And again, you and I are talking about a, a, a band like Pearl Jam in an era of music where, uh, you know, music consumption is dominated by, by uh, you know, single price clicks of, of singles. And, uh, you know, rarely does somebody listen to an entire album anymore and, and, and examine every song's place in context with the rest of the, of the songs in, in composition. So... I would say that Retrograde, which is the, the second to last downloaded song off Gigaton, uh, only only a, a few less clicks or downloads apparently than All Right. And, and, I, and I would argue there's a, there's a compelling argument actually for, for All Right being the most uh, underrated song. But I would say that Retrograde for me, given its, its soaring epic conclusion, and uh, just the, the the majesty of that composition, and, and the, the the gorgeous, elaborate, intricate intro, and that there's so much happening. It's such a dynamic, mature song on so many levels, both lyrically and musically. That I don't know how a song like when I first heard the song, I thought it was the the, the hallmark, shining achievement on the record. And if you would have told me that you know a few years later it would be the second least downloaded song from the the album. I would have said you're 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 crazy. <laughs> it's just that there are not enough people that have heard this song, and so uh, that to me is just absolutely shocking. So for me, retrograde is is by far the the most underrated song on the, on the album. It's weird too because you know they they did do that animated video for it. I think technically it was a single. It might have been like the last thing that came out. Right I think the-, the animated video did a disservice it, to it. Oh really? Yeah, I, I, I I think it 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 um how do you say it it almost oh god what's the what's how do I phrase this it made it made it the song into a caricature of itself mm. okay and and and, uh, and it's it that's gonna come across the wrong way uh be, be, because of the subject matter of the video and and the particular subject that was was used but I think with with Greta it's it was too on the nose. I was just going to say, is it too on the nose? It's yeah. just, it was just too on the nose. And yeah. that in no way is a reflection of, uh, you know, her heroic efforts and everything that she stands for and, and the message of the song. But I think that when when things are on, like there's a time and a place for on the nose. Like 9-11, you needed to be on the nose. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this this to me was, was it, it didn't need to necessarily be on the nose. I, I mean, think the look, visual look, imagery alone spoke volumes. That's what I was going to say. How about the visualizers that we got from the, uh, the you, can, you can get on Apple, right? It's like the hour long thing. It's all the all the music videos that came out, which was just, you know, the only things, that, the only real music videos were uh, Dance and um, uh, Super Blood. Everything else was kind of just those visualizers of Earth, and that that kind of suffices for what that song's about. Um, yes, absolutely. That that is a great argument. Uh, I did not choose it, even though you made a great argument. I chose and uh, take the long way. And oh, that's a great choice. I love see, that one. See, ah, uh, I love that one. It's it's one of the least listened to tracks in Apple Music, and it is the least listened to from Gigaton on Spotify. Why? It is a Matt Cameron gem. How are River Crossing Seven O'clock and Buckle Up and All Right preferred? Again, I don't think there's a, necessarily a bad song on the album. Maybe outside of Seven O'clock, but I mean, the last one, the last I, one. Uh, Jason, I, it has a riot act feel to it. And I think that that there's a distaste for that record amongst a certain segment of the Pearl Jam fan base. Maybe. And it, 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 it like a lot of I, 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 you could say to me, "Hey, is take the long way? Does it feel like a, a riot act outtake?" And I would say, in some ways, yes. But in no way, shape, or form does that detract from the 
the, the what I would think the magnetism of this song. I think this is a fantastic choice. Yeah, I, listen, the dynamics in this Matt Cameron song are awesome. The guitar tones are awesome. The solo is great. There are a guest vocals. Guest vocals. I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how about there's a number of like really cool melodies throughout the song. That that little stutter step guitar that separates the verses. That's that that's so cool and, and unique. Um, it's just got enough Soundgarden flair to it, and then you add in Jessica Grandal's vocals to the chorus. Chef's kiss, love it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this is the best song on the record. No, um, I think there's a, probably a handful that I actually like more. But when it comes to under, how are people not enjoying this as much as we are? It, only six times played live. That that that. I mean, I have to blame. People not knowing this song and retrograde because of the pandemic and the stuttery, delayed tour that we got. I mean, not only was it delayed because of COVID, but then you have, you know, half the band getting fucking COVID and and, and losing his voice for two weeks. So well, we lost a drummer for a segment of that. Tour. That's what I'm saying. You know, and then they had to cancel three shows because Jeff got COVID. They canceled Vegas and Sacramento and. No, some, I mean, it was just those two. But, um, yeah, so it's just so disjointed. And, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get these nine shows in, in, in a handful of weeks here. Um, and that's awesome. And I, I'm just I'm wondering how they're going to how they're going to uh, sound. If they're going to be tight. You know, it's been it's been a year, just about a year since they would have played together. Um, how many songs from the record do they play? How has the album sat with them over the last year? You know, are they going to bring Seven O'clock back around again? Are they going to play Never Destination and All Right a lot more because they didn't play it all that much last time around? So, like, I'm curious about that, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, take the long way for me is my underrated choice. But I completely understand why you would choose Retrograde. Well, I, you raise an interesting point, which is there are a number of songs that were heavily featured on the front half of that tour that really seemed to disappear on the back half, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we talk about one of those in our lyric of the week? All right, so lyric of the week this week comes from Gigaton, and the song is Super Blood Wolf Moon. She was a Paul, so this is the bridge. I don't know what you call this thing. What do you got? Uh, you know, I, I I struggled with what section of this song to pull. Mm. This to me was the section that always stood out to me. It, it continues to stand out. She was a stunner, and I am stunned. And the first thought and second thought was, could be the one. I was a prisoner, her keys and the cuffs. Yeah, I was feeling fortunate to be locked up. But the world kept spinning, always felt like it was ending. And love notwithstanding, we are each of us. Well, <laughs> there we go. So I think that um, this is a great example of what lust sounds like when it is put into narrative form. Mm. Um, or what passion sounds like when it is put into into narrative form it's it's the, the this idea of being stunned like you think of a stun gun and how that the paralysis that comes with that and uh just the the sensory overload that's associated with that experience and not in a good way and that's what i think is interesting is like oh you know she she was she's a 10 Bo Derek 10. She's stunning. Again, like, Bo st- Derek, you are dating. Uh, I, I'm referencing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my point is. Um, Can you say anybody who, who who's a 10 now? Hey, you know what? Anyone listening to this podcast should look up Bo Derek. Okay. Hey, listen, and, and, Tommy and, Boy, still, still a 10 there. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. So my my Carry point, on. my point is just that uh, when you, when you think about this concept of being stunned, it, it is not a um, a pleasurable experience. 
And yet the, the word choice is fascinating because over time, this idea, this concept of something being stunning, uh, someone or something being stunningly beautiful, um, the word has evolved, right? The, the etymology, the semantics, it has evolved to encapsulate uh, something that is, is pleasing to the eye. And <clears throat> I can't help but disassociate, or, or I struggle, I should say, to, disasso- mm-hmm. to disassociate that with the, 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 the physical harm and the, <laughs> the, 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 the discomfort um, and the pain that comes from being stunned uh, in, in a literal sense, like stun gunned. And I just find it interesting that, you know, with, with this, she was a stunner. Uh, so like this idea that she's fr- the eye of a storm, like when I first heard the song and he says she was a stunner and I am stunned. And the first thought, like I had misread that because it's, it's delivered so quickly. I thought that he yeah. was saying that she had the eye of a storm. Mm. And I thought that was that, that made sense. Right. And obviously that, that that's not what Eddie's saying in the song, but um, th- this, this idea of being a prisoner w- when you're stunned and you're a prisoner to something, there is a vulnerability that comes with that. And I think that when we find ourselves in these compromising positions, that we are so taken with someone or something that we lose our grounding. Um, there is a call to mindfulness that is so often neglected. So I would say that what, what this song does for me is, is uh, raise a, a certain level of urgency and mindfulness and decide this concept of like a super blood wolf moon. I mean, it, there's a, a horror element to it. Mm. Um, so I, I've always found the song to be, uh, playful in some sense. And, and if you watch the video, there's like an animated quality to it with the stick figures and everything. And it's a lot of fun, but I also think that there, there's a cautionary tale here. If you, if you read into the lyrics as well. Um, so listen, but, but if you ever find yourself in a position where you feel like a prisoner to, uh, you know, whatever, sensory overload you happen to be experiencing just be mindful of the fact that you know that there there is a consequence and there is uh there's something to be wary of so that doesn't necessarily mean that you know all these roads lead to ruin but i do think that it's something that at least as a song and and the ambiguity of it and the the lack of clarity is what I appreciate most about it. See, this is what separates to me Super Blood Wolf Moon from Minder Manners. It's it, and that's why I think it's a superior, uh, you know, dad punk song, and 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 I think it's the best example of that in the catalog. So anyway, that's my read on it. At least this section of the lyrics. I like that. I like that. Um, I'm going to quickly kind of go into uh, I, well, I, I'm going to share with you that I went down a rabbit hole as to what the hell Super Blood Wolf Moon is, uh, oh. and apparently it is a real thing. Uh, it's like when the moon would be full and it's at the closest point to earth, thereby appearing bigger than it actually is by a little bit, except the earth is perfectly between it and the sun causing a lunar eclipse. And then the moon appears red because of how the light refracts through the edges of the earth from the sun. And apparently wolf is just the name of the full moon in the month of January, according to native Americans. So hence, when you get this kind of lunar eclipse in January, it's called the Super Bud Wolf Moon. Isn't that fun? It's so fun. Now, it sounds cool, but that also means that it's rare. So I had this thing in my head, okay, what's what's this you know, with the stunner and the stun and the, and the prisoner? Like, it's a rare thing that happens. Okay, where, where is this? My mind was just racing. I think more importantly than it just sounding cool is that it's about something beautiful that is incredibly rare. And these kinds of lunar events, they don't happen very often. I mean, this one happens every, I think, two or three years uh, and only for a couple of hours at a time. So so what are we talking about here? So it, it, this is, my read on it was it's a, it's a relationship that the subject wishes maybe he wasn't in. Uh, to your point about being in a, in a, in a, in a stunned or, or paralyzed state or being a prisoner, you don't want to be there, right? Or, or maybe he's happy that she's in control of the relationship because if they weren't together, he'd be a mess. But maybe the she 
and this love isn't a literal personal relationship. Maybe it's something greater. Maybe it's a love of life. Maybe it's falling in love with being alive and recognizing we only have the one life and being upset at the times and the moments where you took life for granted. Maybe the subject finally understands that life is really hard and it can be mean, depressing and ugly and unfair, but we can all get through it if we focus ourselves on love and loving one another. Yeah, I think he says, that, focus on your focusness, sung multiple mm-hmm. times in this one. You know, maybe it's about not letting the negative parts of life affect you so much that you can't enjoy what life really can be. Maybe this is why we get the dichotomy of those last two lines. You know, there's there's a lot of talk about working together to battle back the negativity and very real things uh, and people that are working to ruin the planet and therefore life. So yeah, it's a it's a big topic. It's vast. I mean, you know, some could argue it's vague, but I think maybe that's the point here. If if this analysis is accurate, that no matter how big or small the topic, the answer is inevitably coming back to this side with love or be fucked in the, in so many words. And that's how powerful that word is. It's the only thing that will truly solve what ails us. So maybe I'm reading way too much into it, and it's not some sort of metaphor. Um, that lines up with some of the other, other, you know, vibes and, and themes of the record, or maybe it's just kind of a, a lustful song where you're just in a relationship that's really strange. I don't know, <laughs> but when I, once I once I got that Super Blood Wolf Moon definition, and then I kind of I don't know, it just it took me down a path. So maybe it's that. Maybe I'm just way out into outer space. <laughs> I love that rabbit hole that you just took us down, Jason. <laughs> a lot of maybes in there because who the hell knows? Hey, maybe you do. I'm with you. Put, maybe put, you're listening now. <laughs> you know? And again, you can let us know what you think on threads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to push threads. I'm pushing it, baby. All right, well, let's check out the uh, the best live version of this bad boy in our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! All right, so live cut of Super Blood Wolf Moon played only 15 times. Again, I think it's one of those songs that kind of... Shocking found its way off of the roster uh, come the second half of last year. Where are we going? Uh, We're going to Imola, Italy. June 25th, 2022. Super 
so, you know, there were, for me, probably maybe two to four versions that I think had potential. And I said to you, I go, this is, this is where I'm at. What do you think? And you, you said to me immediately, boom, it's a MOLA. And you said, why? Uh, well, the crowd, first and foremost, I think is, uh, was just completely dialed in with this performance. Uh, the clapping, the timing, the syncopation, they, they absolutely loved it. I thought Mike's solo was absolutely on point. I thought the, the rest of the band was just completely synced in. It was a very tight performance of this song. And what's interesting is this is the type of track where you would almost think loose threads would make it a better performance, mm. right? It has that loose threads feel, but quite the contrary. I feel that when, when they tighten it up and they tie those little knots together and they put a bow on it, it actually comes across as a far superior live performance. So this one, I felt in all the performances from, from the Gigaton tour was a standout one for all those reasons. I think you're right. I think this song demands energy from the band and the crowd mm-hmm. alike. And I think it's easily the best version of that. I think Ed has that extra 10% that, that in his voice that you would need for a song like this. And I think the crowd willed it out of him. I think those Italian crowds can be, can be amazing as we've seen so many times before. Well, well think about, stop. think about why, right? Like, I mean, if you think about this, this destination, right? Mola, this particular city is best known as the home of uh, Enzo Ferrari. Mm. Right. So that's, it's also the, what was hosting the, the formula one, uh, the grand prix, which was formerly hosted as the San Marino grand prix. The race was named after the independent nation of San Marino. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole oh, with this because we, we've been going down a lot of rabbit holes tonight. Uh, point being is that, uh, if you're going to bring some speed and you're going to bring some intensity, I think that this uh, historic <laughs> place is uh, a wonderful locale for that and uh, i think uh you know the the, the the fans were there to to clap and party and, and and usher and shepherd this this track along and pearl jam delivered can i tell you that i've actually been to the ferrari factory in marinello italy have you now i have fascinating it, it's not it, it's just a place you can go you know buy a model car yeah still when, when the, you're when you're a young man <laughs> and you sit cool. Yeah, I bought a flag, and uh, <laughs> I did not go and buy like the Ferrari themed Puma shoes, as if I was pretending to be a driver, as some people do. Anyway, before we go on the path as, here, as someone wants to do, exactly. You know, I've been watching a lot of Fraser lately. That sounded very Fraser of you, <laughs> <laughs> Niles. Anyway, uh, it's late and it's getting hot in my booth again. So, uh, again, thank you for listening. We hope you appreciated and enjoyed this episode. I assure you, our guests, our esteemed guests will join us, I think, next week. I'm pretty sure next week. And um, that's going to be a great one. Let me tell you right now, I'm plugging that MFR. But, uh, yes, if you want to go ahead and feed that algorithm, all you got to do is rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred platform of choice. And our uh, our logo design, our our new sticker Mark Two. Oh, there's II. some cool stuff coming. We've out already of there. seen some cool stuff, man. And you know, I'm, I'm keep I'm keeping this bad boy open. We're gonna keep it open until we kind of feel like we have a good number of, of entries to kind of choose from, and then maybe we'll just let the patrons decide. We should. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, they deserve it. There you go. All right. Well, enough of that chatter. Get on the internet's. Get on threads. Damn it. Get on those threads. Pull the threads. Tie them up. Whatever you do, you know. Oh, are we team? Are we team Musk? Are we team Zuck? Oh no! Oh no! My 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 record's running out of time. We can't answer that question today. Anyways, we'll talk to you next week. And until we do, you've been listening to the state of love and trust. <laughs>